Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for our weekly Pac-12 conversation with San Jose Mercury News reporter John Wilner. Brought to you by Simply Seattle. Our friends at SimplySeattle.com have the most amazing collection of all things Seattle. Seahawks gear, UW hats, and the largest selection of Sonics gear anywhere in the world. Learn more at SimplySeattle.com. I am going to make a stop tomorrow on the way to work at the Simply Seattle warehouse behind the Burgermaster there in the U Village. And I'm going to go hog friggin' wild. It is amazing, the stuff they have on their website right now. Husky NIL gear, Sugar Bowl shirts, Sugar Bowl hats, college football playoff hats, hoodies, the whole thing, man. Whatever you're looking for on the website, use code SOFTY at checkout. No, I'm sorry. That's a different website. Use code KJR15 at checkout. Too many codes. At simplyseattle.com. You're going to buy something for the kids, uh, for the uh, husband, for the wife, whatever. Uh, For Christmas, uh, Sugar Bowl gear, Husky gear, always use code KJR15 for 15% off anything at simplyseattle.com. Here he is, the Pope of the Pack, which is no more after Friday night from the San Jose Mercury News, our friend Johnny Wilner. John, how are you, pal? Ryan Grubb could not have won the Broyles Award because he was not a finalist. I thought he was a finalist. Nope. Wow. There were five finalists. and brought Will Stein, Oregon's offensive coordinator, was the only coach who was a fi- from the Pac-12 who was a finalist wow. for that award. Well, well that's, that's ridiculous. Just, that's just stupid. <laughs> that award's dumb <laughs> after what I heard, for God's sakes. But, John, uh, I know you weren't there on Friday, but how about it, man? I mean, the Huskies, every week, people were waiting and waiting and waiting for them to lose. They're not winning by enough points. They don't look good enough. Their passing game's not functioning like it did in the first month of the year. And here we are. They've played 13, and they've won every damn one. How about that, Johnny? Incredible, right? I mean, it, just a, an amazing run, unprecedented in the expansion era. Uh, how many games did they end up winning by a touchdown or less? Was it like seven or something? I mean, mm-hmm. it was a ridiculous number. Uh, and I'll tell you what, I think this to me, the story of Washington football this year was the defense because the defense. In all those close games, the defense was able to get a stop when it had to get a stop. The defense improved a ton from the first week to the last week. You know, the offense struggled. It was, the defense carried them a lot. It, to me, that was that was a story. You expected the offense to do really well. I wasn't sure about the other side of the ball, and they came up big time. I don't know what their third down uh, conversion percentage was, but I know that in the fourth quarter of close games, they got off the field a yeah. lot. Yeah, they certainly did, and they got the key first da- or third downs on uh, on offense like they did at the tail end of that game. Oh, on, my God. On, Every one of them. <laughs> on Friday night. Uh, John, on the flip side, the Duckies. Do you believe the Duckies would have made the Final Four had they won that game on Friday? No, I, I thought that this through, too, on Sunday, and if you assume the same scenario with the other conferences. I think the Pac-12 would have gotten screwed. Uh, I think if Oregon had won that game, 
you know, whether it was by three points, ten points, I think they were going to get screwed because once Alabama won, I think the committee basically, you know, they, they told us it was the four best teams. And once Alabama beat Georgia in Atlanta, they were basically committed to having Alabama in that. And then they couldn't put Alabama in without, without Texas because Texas won at Tuscaloosa by ten points. So to me, the easiest scenario in that case would have been Michigan, Texas, Alabama, and Florida State. Right. Mm. And Oregon would have been the easy one to leave out. Yeah, no, no, uh, no question. I, I, I think both you guys are correct. I do want to get your take on the Florida State situation here in, in, in just a minute. But uh, Bo Nix today was named the first-team all-conference quarterback despite losing twice to Michael Penix. He was the offensive player of the year despite losing twice to Michael Penix. Uh, did they get it right, the coaches, you think? They, I don't think they did, and I did my uh, my picks yesterday, and uh, I picked Penix as a first team quarterback. He made, you know, they had some rough spots, and certainly there was some. He was hurt, he was sick, whatever. He made the throws he had to make, and uh, I do, I absolutely think Penix should have been first team. I think, you know, the my understanding of the voting is each coach picks the first two. Uh, at each position, and you can't vote for your own guy. And so I'm guessing that that Knicks must have ended up on more first-team ballots than Penix, but I thought they made a mistake there. I thought I agreed with all the other picks for the honors, the individual honors, but uh, I thought that it should have been Penix. Now, on the flip side, on the defensive side of the ball, you did not have Trice or Ulifosio on the first team. The Pac-12 did, so uh, talk about yeah. uh, why you didn't have them there. Part of the issue I had with Trice was the position, uh, you know, the edge. And uh, I thought uh, UCLA's uh, Leatu Latu, you know, he was a defensive player of the year. I had him as an edge. And uh, I think I picked a guy from Arizona, too. Mm-hmm. So I just – it was a numbers game. Trice had a good year. I didn't think he had a great year. I thought he had a good year. To me, the, the guy who – and I put him on my first team was Muhammad. I thought mm. Muhammad was – every time I watched him, he was terrific. And especially when you consider the injuries to the safeties and just the kind of the newness of the, the, the inexperience back there, uh, I thought Muhammad was fantastic and, and the, their most valuable defensive player because that position is so important and he did so well. Uh, John Wilner with us again, courtesy of SimplySeattle.com. So the Huskies win Friday – I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but Brett McMurphy had a report that said that UW is locked into the Rose Bowl after the game was over on Friday. And that turned out to not be the case, obviously. So a lot of Husky fans were a little bit perturbed about that. You and I were tweeting about that and talking about that, John. What in the end is the number two seed in the college football playoff? What advantage did UW earn by being the two seed in your mind? None. None. The, it's not the NCAA tournament. They can move all the top seeds up and down to avoid uh, crowd disadvantage. Uh, but in the with the way the college football playoff is structured, you know the number one gets that. There's two. There's two games. So you they had to protect Michigan. They weren't going to send the number one seed to New Orleans to play Alabama or Texas because that would be considered a, a disadvantage for the number one seed. But then that locked UW in as the two to having to go to New Orleans. And they are going to face a road game, right? I bet you it's 75% burnt orange, yeah. 66% burnt orange. Mm-hmm, right. But there's no recourse in the, the way the whole model is set up. Uh, I think, and I, you know, I tweeted about this, 
in an ideal world, Washington would have gotten dropped to four and played Michigan and Pasadena. Yeah. Well, what about the fact they're playing Texas instead of Michigan? Isn't that an advantage? I don't know that it is. Mm. Michigan, they got, I mean, I don't think much of the big, I think nothing of the Big Ten West. Okay? So right, beating right. Iowa does nothing for right. me. And they beat Penn State and they beat Ohio State. And uh, I don't, I'm not sure that Michigan's better than Texas. I think you could. It's a pretty even field to me. Uh, I think that the Huskies, given the crowd they would have in the Rose Bowl, yep. I think they're better off in Pasadena playing Michigan than they are going to New Orleans to play Texas. Interesting. Well, I I, I know this. Texas has better athletes than Michigan does. Uh, I I think on both sides of the ball, Michigan may be oh, stouter. Yes and tougher and more physical on defense, which, let's face it, if they play them, is going to be a problem in the championship game. I mean, everything's a problem now at this point on. But, you know, Kalen DeBoer is the coach of the year. We've been talking about his future. Uh, are you hearing anything? I mean, I, I said earlier to Dick that I'm hearing they're getting closer and closer to getting something done. Uh, would you be surprised if between now and New Year's Day, we did not hear about an extension and a new deal for Coach DeBoer in Seattle? I would be, if I'm a Husky fan and there's no deal by New Year's Day, I would be worried mm. because I would think to myself, DeBoer's agent is holding this up on purpose, either to leverage for even more money. And I, I've got to think at this point, he's eight is the starting figure, right? Eight million a year. It's got to be the starting figure. Jonathan Smith's getting what? He's getting seven something in Michigan State. I mean, that was a, that, that contract made DeBoer and his agent a pretty penny. So the starting number is eight. Uh, they could be holding out, or they could know that there's something in the works with Michigan or some, some other place, right? The, that coincides, I don't know the dates off the top of my head, but right, Black Monday in the NFL is going to be right around college football playoff time. And so that could start a whole other domino on the you know coaching openings that Harbaugh or somebody else might take, and then that leads to an opening that DeBoer takes. John, let's revisit the Heisman topic we talked about last week. Um, I thought that at least Michael Penix had a heartbeat. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think you guys agreed with that sentiment. Has Am I to, wrong? To win it? That Michael Penix had a heartbeat yes, to win it. No, yes, I, I agree. I thought he was toast. Okay, so has that changed at all with uh, what happened on Friday night? For me, it has. John, how about you? Yeah, I think he's got a decent shot. Just the way the whole thing played out, he played great. Big TV ratings. The fact Jaden Daniels was was off the stage, I think, was very important for Penix. I think he's got a shot. I don't know the the just the way the whole thing, the voting takes place. Though there's six regions, yeah. Only one of them, the Far West, is one entire region. Dakota to Hawaii is one region, right? So the vast majority of voters are east of uh, eastern half of the country. Uh, a lot of them saw Jaden Daniels. Uh, you wonder if Knicks and Penix are going to split the vote out West. If that's the case, I don't know how Penix can win. That's the problem. He would have to carry the West and then hope to, you know, be in range of Daniels and a lot of those, you know, the, the Atlantic, the Southeast region, all that. Yeah. Well, look. But I think he's got a shot. I yeah, do think he's got a shot. No, he does. And I, I expect Daniels to win it on Saturday, John. Um, I hate the fact that they let people vote before the conference championship games. I understand why they do it, because the votes are due on Monday, and you're asking 900-plus knuckleheads uh, to then take two days to get their votes in after the game on Saturday. So I get it from a timing perspective, but I hate the fact that they allow people to vote before those games, because I think a lot of people do that. 
Um, they ask they us. Do. They ask us every year to not reveal our vote before the game or the broadcast on Saturday. So I was going to ask you about your ballot, unless you don't feel comfortable talking about it yet. Uh, no, I could talk. I, I should be for full transparency. I have agreed to not disclose my exact ballot until Saturday night. I also am the uh, California. Uh, I'm the. I provide the oversight of the California yep. ballot. Right. Stay so right. Yep. I, I should say all that, and I could tell you that. You know, the husband does a lot of things that are old school, and some of the people who vote on this thing communicate by carrier pigeon. So <laughs> fans should not necessarily expect that everybody is going to be completely up to date and is going to hold their ballots until the end of conference championship week. All right. Well, uh, John, the three of us had. But I'll tell you whatever. I can, I'll tell you as much as I can. Who, well, who, can well you what give can it, you tell us? Can you give us the three guys on your ballot? Um, I can tell you. A couple things. First of all, I will say that, in my opinion, the best player in the country, pound for pound, I didn't have on my ballot, and that is Brock Bowers, uh, George's tight end. The guy is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. He was hurt for like a month. I also happen to think Marvin Harrison Jr. is probably the second best player. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you this. I only voted for quarterbacks. Yeah, as did I. Everybody (laughs) on this call, everybody on this call, and all your listeners are probably going to know who those quarterbacks are, yes. right? Uh, but it's a weird year. I usually try to vote for the best player regardless of position and not get sucked into the quarterback thing. Uh, but this year, I just couldn't justify it because he missed he missed a month. Well, well John, we had a, a spirited text exchange uh, when this week, the three of us, comparing the 2016 team with the 2000. 2000- I thought that was a great great exchange yeah. yeah and by the way i was dog tired laying in bed at seven o'clock in the morning when you knuckleheads are texting back no. and forth about who the better team was 16 or 23 come on does that mean you want to change your vote uh yeah i do okay <laughs> okay because i thought it was interesting and it, to, full disclosure i voted for 2023 you two guys were voting for 2016 at the time sounds like softy wants to change his vote but you know kirk herbstreet said something interesting he said it's the first Pac-12 champion for the Huskies since 2000, or first time in the Final Four since 2016. He said that was a different team at a different time. This team is dangerous. So it made it sound like Kirk believed that this team was better than 2016. Do you want to change your vote, John? No, I don't. All in right. fact, I'm digging in further because I went through every single Pac-12 era champion. Mm-hmm. And I, I did all the breakdowns of the numbers, who was on the teams, who they played, wins over ranked teams, all that kind of thing. And my determination was that the 2016 Huskies were the best team of the Pac-12 era. And uh, mm. I put uh, this Washington team, I put second or third. I can't remember actually now. I think third. Um, but that Washington team absolutely demolished people. Yeah. Right in a way, this team did not. That team, I mean, the team, that team, the defense was way better than this team. I mean, at every position basically. And I think that you know this team is better offensively, but not that much better offensively because John Ross was damn good and Miles Gaskin was damn good. And I know that uh, one of you all was saying that Browning didn't play well towards the end. Mm-hmm. They were still killing people. Right. They were still scoring forty a game, even yeah. if he wasn't playing well. They were awesome.
Yeah, I mean, I guess that's one difference, that when Mike doesn't play well, this team's not scoring 35, 40 points a game. And you're right, against Colorado, Jake was actually not good at all, and they still hung 40 on the Buffaloes. But look, I mean, this, this team's got a shot, don't they, John? I mean, is it me? Uh, are me and Dick just being blind, idiot homers? And don't say yes, by the way. <laughs> if we tell you that this team has a real shot of winning the whole flipping thing, would you be surprised if that happened? The, only slightly, mm. only slightly, but because, less, and, less and part so. Of my, part of the reason I'm coming at that, I'm coming at that because I think that they're going to have to play Alabama in Houston, right? Yeah, and, right. to win it, and I think that's going to be really hard. But less so, uh, less so than 16, right? With, with their yeah, yeah, odds? 16. Yeah. I think that was a better, uh, better Alabama team, yeah. and uh, th- this is the most even of the four. The, uh, you know, most even semifinals with all four teams having a shot. I don't think I'd be that surprised if Texas won it, uh, the way they're playing. I, I think really even, and it should be, we mostly get blowouts in the semifinals. I mean, if you look at the history of 11 years, what, 22 semifinal games, whatever it's been, the vast majority of them have been blowouts. I think these are going to be two really good games and a good championship. I would not; it wouldn't surprise me that much if Washington won it. No, John. I know Softy wants to specifically ask you about FSU, so I'll ask you a general general question: Is the message from here on out in college football that you better be in the Big Ten or the SEC or anything is fair game about your team being treated like a second class citizen when it comes to playoff rankings? It's this is tough. I mean, the whole thing's going to change, right? With the not only is the SEC and Big Ten getting bigger next year, uh, but then the playoffs get bigger too, right? Yep. So the question is, I look at it, you know, there's going to be 12 spots, six at-larges. How many, how many of those 12 spots are going to go to the Big Ten and the SEC? And I think there's a decent chance it's going to be eight going yep. to two leagues. That's what I was thinking. Right? Um, but, man, the Florida State thing is tough, right? Uh, because they... Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I mean, they didn't do anything wrong. It's kind of like what happened to Oregon State, Washington with the Pac-12. They did nothing wrong, and they got screwed. And that's what happened to Florida State. But the committee made it clear, they made it clear that they're looking for the four best teams. And there's nothing about the most deserving. Who are the four best teams? They didn't think, and they even said this in the ESPN article, they didn't think that Florida State, without their quarterback, could compete for the national championship, and they wanted each of the four teams in the playoff to be able to compete for the titles. Now, that kind of flies in the face of how they've gone about doing their rankings right. over the years. And they, don't, they say they're not trying to be predictive, and yet they were trying to be predictive with Florida State. And the other thing it tells you us is that the five weeks where they put those rankings out on Tuesday nights – don't mean jack mm-hmm. because they get to the last weekend right and they do whatever they want regardless of what they've been doing totally agree i mean that's the whole problem with this thing uh if you're telling me that you're not going to put florida state in the final four because they can't win without jordan travis then why not just drop them to 10 the minute he gets hurt and be done with it and move on 
Yeah, you had him at number five, yeah. right? In the final right. poll. I mean, give me a break, man. All right, John right. Grace. And if you don't think if you don't think they can compete, if they're not as good as Alabama, well, how the hell are they as good as Georgia, right? right. Or better in Georgia. So at least you have to move them to six. But uh, it was it was it was brutal. Uh, brutal situation. And here's the other piece of it, right? The system is flawed. I, the selection, I don't blame the selection committee because it's a flawed system. You've got five conferences for four spots. However, the reason we haven't had more Florida State cases over the last 10 years is because the Pac-12 has sucked. Right. And there were not yep. five conferences producing five worthy right. teams in the playoff. It, the two controversial years were 2014 and 2023. What happened in both those years? The Pac-12 had a playoff team. Yep. When all those years the Pac-12 stunk, it was a much easier time. Listen, great stuff. Uh, we'll skip the Wilner's winner this week. Uh, we'll get you on before the bowl game's obvious. We're going to have you predict every single Pac-12 bowl game again when the time is right. But you got it right with UW cool. and the points, by the way, last week. 8-5-1 and one in the season. So we'll see what we I'll do. Oh, don't start crowing yet. We'll see what happens come bowl time, baby. <laughs> uh, I never, the, the nine and a half, ten, it, it never made sense. It wasn't giving Washington enough credit for being, t- you know, mentally tough. Yep. Uh, did any of the Washington players or coaches say anything after the game, not about this point spread specifically, but about feeling disrespected? Yes. Yeah, there were some players that talked Dylan about Johnson disrespect. Dylan Johnson told us yesterday. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. They knew it. We asked them all before the game, and they knew it for sure. They were aware of it, no question about it. All right, man. John, great stuff. We'll talk in a week, buddy. Thanks, John. Thanks, guys. All right, John Wilner with us on the radio show. Uh, pretty sure he's got the same three quarterbacks that I do, by the way, in the Heisman ballot. <laughs> we should come back and talk about that. Uh, does Mike? Do we feel like Mike really has a shot at winning this thing on Saturday? Next on 93.3 KJRF. Now back to Softy and Dick on Sports Radio 93.3 KJRF. The Washington Huskies, the Seattle Kraken. Your home for the Huskies and the Kraken. Hey, uh, don't forget, Friday, we're going to be in New York City, New York City, for the uh, Heisman Ceremony on Saturday, doing all the uh, special fun stuff from the Heisman Hotel on Friday. I've never done this, man, so I can't wait to get out there, uh, see some family in the process, uh, maybe run into uh, Seth Everett, whose real name is Bogdanoff, by the way, uh, in Manhattan <laughs> on Friday. But uh, go, going out there courtesy of Taco Time, big thanks to the Taco Time, Robbie Tonkin and company for Getting us out there, uh, our friend Gretchen as well. They are fabulous, uh, great partners here on the radio station. So big thanks to Taco Time for sponsoring this trip beyond the year Friday from the uh, hotel in Times Square and then hanging around for the uh, ceremony and all the fun stuff on Saturday night. But Michael Penix is a finalist for the Heisman Trophy, announced yesterday. Marvin Harrison, Jr., wide receiver, Ohio State, Bo Nix, Oregon, Jaden Daniels, LSU. So first of all, I want to take our own kind of official what we think is going to happen at the Heisman ceremony on Saturday night. You got four guys, right? You know mm-hmm. who the four are. I want you to rank them in order of finish, one through four, how you think they'll do on Saturday night. Jane Daniels, one. Michael okay. Penix, two. Bonix three. Marvin Harrison, four. Okay. Dick, how about you? Exactly that. Just like that. Yep. Just like that. Uh, we'll go three for three because I agree. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's boring, but I think that's the way it's going to go. Uh, I don't think it's the way it should go, but I think it's the way it's going to go. So you guys got to understand, we can all sit around here and talk about what we think and should happen for the Heisman Trophy, but that isn't always what happens, right? Because you got 928 voters 
57 living Heisman Trophy winners and then one fan vote to decide this thing. They let you vote the Monday before the conference championship games, meaning the voting process, which was closed yesterday at 2 o'clock our time, was open for a week before the conference championship games even began. How many of those Midwest and East Coast SEC voters even saw Michael Penix play football, even bothered to watch him play football? Bo Nix as well, playing a lot of night games on the West Coast, obviously. So my fear is that there's a lot of lazy voters out there and a lot of people in the Southeast and the Midwest and the East Coast that did not really watch and study Bo Nix and Michael Penix together. And that vote will swing towards Jaden Daniels because of the overall stats, and he'll walk away as a pretty easy winner on Saturday night. I feel like if you're given the honor of being a Heisman Trophy voter, you should respect the process. And you should do your due diligence. Of course. And at the very least, watch the most important game of the season, Mm -hmm. which is the conference championship game. You have to watch that game. And you should be watching all these finalists multiple times in their entirety, not highlights on SportsCenter. And unfortunately, I don't think these guys, a lot of these guys don't do that. And then secondly, I don't even think the votes should be accepted Mm -hmm. until after all the games are over. Right. I mean, this is 2023. You talk about, you know, having 900 voters have 48 hours to submit a ballot. I mean, it takes an email. Right. I mean, send an email. It takes 30 seconds to make, you know, once you have your decision in place following the Saturday night game, it takes you 30 seconds to submit your vote. You mean sending your vote in? Yes. Well, uh, okay. The way they do it, just so you know, is they send out an email and there's a link on the email that takes you to a website and you have to get validated, secured, all that stuff, verification. They send you a text message, you blah, 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 whatever. And then you're on the website. Once you're in, you're on the website. And so you're right. Once you're in, it takes five minutes, right, to get this thing done. I think when you're relying on 928 people to get a vote in over a day or a 36-hour period, Sometimes it's problematic, but there might be too many people voting, period. That mm-hmm. might be part of the problem. We've got too many people voting for the Heisman Trophy. So I, I agree with you. Look, not only do I think we should wait until the championship games, I think we should wait until the bowl games are over, right? Like Bo Nix is playing in a bowl game. Daniel's playing in a bowl game. Marvin Harrison, Michael Penix against Texas's defense. My God, I'd love to see what he does against Texas's defense in the, in the Sugar Bowl. But I, I just think, guys, the way this goes down, there's a lot of bias on the East Coast. Not a lot of people end up watching all the games on the West Coast, and I think that Jaden Daniels is going to suck up a lot of votes on the East Coast and the Midwest. I hope I'm damn wrong, by the way, about this. Because Michael Penix winning a Heisman Trophy, a Husky player winning a Heisman Trophy in the same year as they go to a Final Four would just about make this maybe the greatest Husky football season of all time. When you look at everything. Absolutely. Okay. Well, the Heisman, I mean, I'm not going to say it trumps a national championship, but it, it certainly adds to what they've accomplished. Now, it's not unprecedented that teams with, you know, just good and not great have won the Heisman Trophy. Yep. I'm looking here. There's been 14 times mm-hmm. where a school had a Heisman Trophy winner with three losses or more. Right. But that's only 14 right. times out of 92 years. Right. Right. So it doesn't right. happen right. very often at uh, all. Let's do this. We got one more pair of Kraken tickets to give away. When you hear the sounder, uh, jump on the horn at 286-9595. Jackson takes the 10th caller to win a pair of tickets to see the boys take on the Panthers on December the 12th 
Uh, if your name is Kelly Busey, Stacy Obridgewich, or Ryan Gibson, you've already won. So you're good. Wait for the sounder. Be the 10th caller, and you will win a pair of seats for the game on the 12th against Florida. Brian Schmetzer is going to join us. Now back to Softy and Dick on Sports Radio 93.3, KJRFM. The Washington Huskies, the Seattle Kraken. Your home for the Huskies and the Kraken. All right, so I'm going to share you uh, with you, excuse me, the last text I got from Brian Schmetzer. Mm-hmm. Coach, you may remember this. Uh, 8.24 p.m. Friday night. No need to text back. But F yeah, baby, said Brian Schmetzer. <laughs> Only he didn't say F. He said something stronger than F. I'm sorry I didn't text you back, by the way. I was a little preoccupied going bananas in Vegas after that game on Friday, Coach. How are you? I'm doing great. That was, that was an exciting football game for a lot of different reasons. I mean, we came back and smashed Oregon's title hopes. Uh, Kalen DeBoer is a great coach. We got Heisman Trophy candidates. Huskies, you're, you're part of the world is looking really good. Nah, no question. It was a really fun night. Uh, great, great night to be a Husky fan. But I got to ask you because you, you've met Kalen DeBoer. You've broke bread before with Kalen DeBoer. Yeah. Uh, tell me about kind of what you make of this guy. Well, super positive, super upbeat, nice. Uh, was very humble at the dinner we had together uh, at our little uh, dinner club with a bunch of, you know, Husky fans, and it was a men's club evening, and it was really, really super interesting. He brought along his assistant, uh, and together the two of them lit up the room. We had really good conversations. It was great. Well, Coach, this was a team that was just doubted for the last month and a half of the season. How tangible is that when your players and your coaching staff feels that you're just doubted and they're, the whole world is just waiting for you to lose? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've had those feelings before as well. I mean, it's part of the job, I would say, but it gives you a little extra edge. I mean, I could see Penix saying, you know what, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty darn good. He doesn't want to say that, of course, but, you know, deep down inside, he might, he might carry a little grudge and want to show everybody that he should be the Heisman Trophy winner, and coaches are no, no different. We have those same feelings. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, I, I, guys, I had a guy tweet me before the game that said that Michael Penix will not win the Heisman, but Washington wins in a close game. And I said, where do I sign? Yeah. I'll, I'll take yeah. that every damn time. And that may end up being exactly what will happen, by the way. We'll find out Saturday. But, Brian, we have not spoken since the one nothing loss to LAFC. I know this time of the year, especially for coaches, there's a lot of introspection going on. Uh, as you look back on that game and on the season, uh, what do you think about and anything that you would have done differently, Coach? Yeah, uh, still irritated. Uh, LAFC has just been pushing out all the social media and repeat as champions and everything, and it just it's still it's still irritating. It still kind of pisses me off a little bit because mm. uh, we we set ourselves up uh, for a home match. Uh, you know, maybe it wasn't raining hard enough, or you know, maybe the gods just didn't shine on us. Uh, I don't know what it was. They had one chance. Their guy buried it. Our guy had one chance, missed that one. Uh, then in the second half, we just absolutely uh, murdered them with possession. 
but that's one of those stupid stats that it doesn't matter how long you hold on to the ball, you actually got to put the ball in the back of the net. And, you know, we, we just couldn't find the equalizer. So, you know, it was frustrating. Do you feel like that game was kind of a microcosm of your season? Uh, in the, yes, Dick, in the, in the goal scoring department, yes. Uh, we needed to manufacture a goal to stay alive. We couldn't do that. During the summer months, there was a lot of games where, you know, defense would play well. Mm-hmm. Offense just couldn't get untracked. Uh, you know, it, it's certainly something that we're going to address for next season. Yeah, well, Brian Schmetzer's with us, and there's a lot of rumors going around today about a certain player uh, <laughs> from Argentina, all right? So we got to ask you about this. And we, we, we think you should just tell us the truth because we're all Husky fans. We're fired up for what happened on Friday, so why not just kind of <laughs> live in this bubble of trust here a little bit? Uh, Pedro de la Vega, uh, are the rumors true? Is he coming? Well, Softy, look, you know that I can't comment on unsigned players, but, but <laughs> he's a really good, young, talented player. Really good, talented, young player. All right. All right. How about the rest wow. of... I like that. You let him off the hook that easy, huh? Well, Jackson, is that enough? I think that's enough for me. Yeah. Okay. All I'm right. happy. I'm happy right. I mean, that. what else? I mean, he already told yeah. me he's not going to say anything else. So Jack knows more than I do. He's if you got a follow-up, go ahead, Dave. If, if he's coming, keep breathing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good Lord. What overall off-season wish list for the coach? Let's just throw De La Vega out for a second. Wish list for Coach Brian Smetzer to make this team an MLS Cup championship caliber team in 2024. Yeah, we need to improve in a couple of different spots. Uh, look, we're gonna we're gonna give Jordan a chance to fight it out with Raul. Raul's under contract for another year. We're gonna give those two a chance to fight it out up at center forward. I think Leo Chu uh, needed a little bit more seasoning. I thought he was really good. He had twelve something, twelve fourteen assists. So that's a great record in assists. But he was. A little bit off in the playoffs, so he needs a little competition. We need to get some, you know, players there competing for spots. Uh, Nico Darrow leaving the club. Uh, we need to find a replacement for a guy of his character, caliber. Uh, you know, a, a young 22-year-old player certainly would do nicely there. Uh, and then, you know, look, uh, Jackson and Yaimar did pretty well. How does Javi fit in the mix? Uh, you know, there's certain question marks that we need to make sure we're always uh, improving the squad, not staying, not staying still. Yeah. All right. Well, what's uh, what's the plan for the next maybe couple weeks, month? Uh, you're you going to get away, uh, get a vacation in. Uh, are you going to head to New Orleans with us to watch the Sugar Bowl? What's your plan? I wish I could. I wish I could, Softy. But uh, I'm going to have hernia surgery on Thursday. Uh, then I'm going to just relax and recover, and the season's just around the corner. We we start January 15th, so it's coming up quick. Your thoughts on the two-year contract for uh, for Stephen Fry, and what does that mean for Stephon Cleveland? Well, that's that was a tougher conversation to have with Stephen Cleveland. He's he's good enough to be a starter on many MLS teams, so that was the conversation. So he's he's got to keep talking and keep finding a team or. You know, if he doesn't, we'll see. 
Uh, and then for Stephen Fry, obviously that's a reward. And, you know, not I wouldn't say a reward. I think it's justified because he led the league in shutouts. He had a point eight eight or something crazy like that, goals against average. I mean, he did the business when he needed to. Right, no question. All right, man, listen, uh, rest up. Uh, good luck with the surgery, and we'll talk soon, man. Appreciate this. Thanks, Coach. All right, take care, you guys. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.